How comfortable are you at dealing with change? Think about that for a second. Change isn't anything new in the world of B2B marketing. The Wall Street Journal tells you that the tenure of a CMO is around three years. And when there's a leadership change, that's going to trickle down and change a whole lot of things about what we do on a daily basis. And of course, the year 2020 has brought a lot of changes of its own to our work and our personal lives. I'm Mike Pastor from Technology Advice. Welcome to B2B Nation. As we sit here with all this change circling around us, it got me thinking, why are some people excited by change while others dread it? To get answers to this question and more related to change, I spoke to Rob Bogue. Rob is an expert in change management who offers an online course called Confident Change Management. And when there are in-person events, you'll often find Rob doing workshops about change and the science of change and how we can use that in our business lives. And here's what I realized from my conversation with Rob. The better you as a marketer understand the science of change management, the better marketer you can be. Because as a leader, you need to understand how to make changes and guide your team through change. As a team member, you need to know how to adapt to change or affect change if you want to see things done differently. And of course, as a marketer, you're trying to convince people they need to make a change in the way they do things and how your products and services can help them do that. Have a listen to my conversation with Rob. Rob Bogue, welcome to the B2B Nation podcast. Why don't you take a minute and introduce yourself? Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, so I am Rob Bogue, as you said, and my background is technology. I've been doing mostly Microsoft technology uh, and education over the last uh, few decades. I just recently got my 17th Microsoft MVP award, which I'm super happy about. We just launched a new course called Confident Change Management. And last year with my wife, I got to write a book about burnout for the Society for Human Resource Management, uh, SHRM. And uh, that extinguished burnout book has been, uh, it's been a great thing to really help people who are struggling with burnout. Of course, this is all pre-COVID. You are a tech guy at heart. Yep. And for the B2B marketers who listen to this podcast, you were the kind of person that they would target for their messages for years. Yep. Messages about their technology and how it can help do all sorts of great things. But somewhere along the line, you realized, as people often do, uh, without people, technology it isn't going to get the job done. So how does that apply to change management? Yeah, so you have to so, so walk the story with me for a second. So we are in 2000, and I start doing these SharePoint implementations. And SharePoint is about communication and collaboration, right? And we do these implementations and people still treat the darn thing like a file share or a bucket or a repository. They're, they're not really using it to change or transform the way that they're communicating or collaborating. So beautiful technical implementations. The information architecture is right and we've got fault tolerance, load balancing, and we got all kinds of beautiful, beautiful technology. And at the end, doesn't help the business because none of the users actually used it. And so I was doing these implementations and I got really frustrated because I had, you know, CIOs coming to me and going, well, but this didn't change the business. I'm like, well, you didn't hire me to change the business. You hired me to implement the technology. And so around 2008, I said, okay, 
and I published the first SharePoint Shepherd's Guide for end users. And we keep publishing that today. And if you if you need end user uh, training, that's fine. We're happy, happy to help you there. Uh, it's now wikis and videos that are integrated. But I published that first book and I thought this is a solution. This is going to get it because I've solved it because now people will know how to use the technology and therefore they'll use the technology, right? And that was effective in a 10% kind of way, not in an 80% kind of way. Uh, and that led me to change management. And I'm like, okay, fine, I'll learn change management. And the first thing I thought was I got here and I'm like, man, there are better stats in baseball. <laughs> and you're like, what? And, and the answer is, so in baseball, right? Like somebody sitting the 300s, you know, they're, they're pro game. And when you look at change management, they say 70% of change management initiatives fail. 70% of change initiatives fail. And you look at that and you're like, man, I don't want to be in that business, right? Like, it's kind of like, you know, the weatherman could be wrong every day, right? Because like nobody expects better. I'm like, I don't want to be there. Uh, and so that started me doing research and that psychology and marketing and it just this, this set of things, neurology, right? Like who reads about the brain? Apparently I do. I have a really boring reading list. Uh, but so, so from 2008, 2009, up to current point, about a year ago, um, I've been doing this research and I really, we've started helping clients. We're doing a really good job of helping clients transform their business versus deploying technology. Uh, and I had one of my content delivery partners, a partner come to me and say, hey, will you do this content as a pre-conference? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll do it as a pre-conference. But to do that, I'm going to go build the entire course out so that, I'm not just doing this one-off. I don't want to do a one-off 25 people in the room. Actually, I think we had 35 people, but I don't want to do that once. I want to really do this so that it can help a lot of people. Uh, and so that kind of led me up to where I'm at. But, but back to the core of your question, the, the, the transition point for me was this frustration that I was building stuff that nobody was using. I was building these solutions based on what people told me I needed to build. And at the end of the day, I didn't make anybody's life any better. And I didn't like it. So in, in, in B2B marketing, change is a constant, right? It's a cliche yeah. and you, you hear it about a lot of, a lot of businesses, um, big kind of macro changes over the past decade, more data, more technology to your point, some of which is most likely underutilized. Um, yep. But other changes as well, if you look at the data on 10 years of CMOs, often very short, Egg which timer. means there's a constant leadership change, which means yep. the direction is constantly going to change. Yep. Um, and some people are more wired to deal with that than others. Am I, is, that a, is that a correct assumption? Yeah, um, that's, that's certainly a correct assumption. I think, I think you have to, and, and I'll, let me go to neurology. Let me talk to neurology psychology. This is kind of where this sits. So um, let's talk about stress. So stress, by the way, has an impact on burnout. has an impact on change. But stress, we all think of stress as like this thing, right? But stress isn't a thing. First of all, stress is a biological mechanism that humans have subsumed. We have taken it over. Stress was designed to, hey, I see a lion. I should run. And it only lasted for a little bit. 
Either the lion was going to eat you or you were going to escape the lion. Those are the two choices. And we, we treat it for things like, am I going to lose my job? And are we going to have house payments and food and whatever, right? So we've, we've taken this thing that was designed to be short-term. We've made it very, very long. And in doing so, we have decoupled some of the processes that were supposed to happen. So stress is not something that is external. Stressors, things that are external to you, environmental factors, those are external. Then what happens is you have an assessment phase. And what the trick is with the assessment phase is you decide what would the impact be and how will I be able to cope? Now, that can be internal resources, that can be external resources, but you're making a decision about how should I react to this. We experience stress when we expect high impact and our low ability to cope, a low ability for us to compensate. Um, and so they say, okay, so that's the system that's in play. Now, how does that, how does that come back to your question, which is, okay, so some people have higher uh, tolerances for change and some people have lower. So change is a stressor in the environment. And the way that some people cope with that, some people assess that is, that's not that big a deal. And other people are like, oh my gosh, the sky is falling. And so the difference between the way they assess it is the difference in the reaction. Now, there's two components of that. First is the internal component of the person, right? So the internal person. And, and this is an example everybody seems to get, right? So look, you go to work and you're mortgaged up to the hill. You have all kinds of credit card debt. You got your car and your house and everything. And everything's just on the brink of failing. And your boss asks you to do something that totally violates your ethics. Totally, totally, totally not something you would never do. And you do it anyway, because you don't have a choice. You don't feel like you have a choice, right? Other person walks in, and they, everything's paid off. They're, they're like, you know, whatever. You may have heard of FU money, right? This person walks in, their boss asks them to do something. They'd say no. Their boss goes, I'm your boss. Well, we can change that if you'd like, right? And, and that difference, that's an internal difference about the way that they process it. The external okay. difference, the part that managers can manage, the things that managers can do is the external piece support. Well, the more supported, this is an assessment, the more supported folks feel, the more likely they are to accept the change, the stressor, the things that are going on in their world. And so, yes, there's an innate set of what is someone's tolerance, and there is a capacity for the manager to influence that and make people feel safer. When we talk about change and comfort with change, I think my mind anyway goes to change agents, right? Yeah. This, this phrase we've come up with, I'm a marketer and there's something I want to change. Maybe a new leader comes in. This is my opportunity, right? This is, I want to be a change agent. Yep. Are people born with that ability to be a change agent? Do they learn? Do people go from resisting change to advocating for change or are those we talking two different, you know, Mars and Venus? Yeah, I don't think it's, uh, I wouldn't say the word learn. I would say develop uh, in the sense that, you know, you create the right conditions for a plant and the plant grows or doesn't grow. You don't say plant grow and, and that works. It doesn't work that way. You, you mm -hmm. create the right conditions and then if the plant is willing, it grows. Um, 
And so, yes, you can grow it. You grow it by creating simultaneously courage and an intolerance for the status quo. Uh, and so to courage, and, and this is, you know, I keep, a lot of what I do is I, I, I fix misperceptions, things that we were taught wrong. Um, so courage. Courage is not moving forward in the absence of fear. Courage is moving forward in the presence of fear. It's the decision to move forward even though there is risk. And again, we're back to that stressor and assessment. And it's the decision that it's worth the risk to move forward. So when we're talking about, uh, when we're talking about developing folks and developing that courage component, we're talking about how do we make them more comfortable with the risks? And it's back to that assessment and stressor and how do they, how do, they do that? Um, the second piece of that is how do you get them to not be okay with the status quo? How do you get them to say, I want better, I want more? And a lot of that is, a lot of that just comes naturally as we grow up, as we have more experience, most of us, not all of us, but most of us develop a greater concern for others. Sometimes that's because we've had kids and we've, we've felt the need to get involved with them and take care of them, but we start to develop an interest in others. And what we will accept for ourselves as a current status quo is not always what we will accept for others, right? Like what I will personally put up with versus what I will let my kids put up with, totally different. And so when you couple these two things, when you couple courage and an inability to accept the status quo, what you end up with is a change agent. That's the person who is going to go out and change the world because they don't like the status quo and they don't care if they get knocked on the ground a few times. Of interest to marketers here, just to echo something that you said, change agents, people who don't like the status quo, make the best prospects if you're trying to sell software or services. It's good to know how they operate if you're in marketing because yeah. those are your best prospects, the people who say the status quo isn't cutting it yep. and we need to do things differently because oftentimes that will end up in an investment along the way. So. Yeah, I think the, the other interesting thing is is the way that people who are high courage react is, is, is different to the people who are low courage. Uh, so a lot of marketing, right? Like we've done marketing for years and a lot of it is, is, is fear. A lot of marketing is still fear-based, um, though it's shifting. Fear-based marketing doesn't work. Just flat doesn't work on people who are high courage people. And it doesn't work because you can't push them into fear. They're like, yeah, whatever. Sky is falling. Eh, I got a strong roof. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> to the credit of a lot of B2B marketers, and I've been in the business long enough to see that transition, especially in like security, security yep. technology, right? Yep. The, the messaging used to always be about what could go wrong, what right. headline you were going to make because you were breached. And, you know, in recent years, I, I think people have stuck with it because the messaging works. What's possible, right? Right. What, what you can do when you have these tools. And even for security tools, which are sort of at the basic level defensive, 
right? Because you're not worried about security, because your data is safe, and look what you can do. So it's all about right. possibilities. Right. You can enable people to work from home. You can enable people to work on the road. You can enable the, the ability to work from mobile devices that may end up in a taxi, right? Lots of enablement. And, and that's better messaging to somebody who is a high courage person because the high courage person, you're just not going to scare them. About managers. There are managers who need to affect change. Maybe it's that new CMO we talked about who comes in and probably only has like 18 months to affect positive change before the timer goes off. Or there are managers, team leaders who have people that want to affect change. What's your advice for managers? Yeah, so I think, first of all, I, I think we forget that there is a friction in the equation. And the friction as it pertains to change is a lack of trust, right? And so if I, so let me shift this to put it into to marketing language, it's credibility, right? It's that how do you, how do you believe what the, the CMO says? Because you know, as well as they do, they have an 18 month tenure. Nobody, like, that's not a secret. They know, you know, that odds are 18 months. So how does the CMO build rapport and trust with their employees? And if they can do that, then they'll be able to accomplish change. Um, most of the folks that I see, regrettably, are not good at trust building. Um, building trust takes time, right? There's no shortcuts to building trust. There are certainly defining moments that can happen that can engender trust or not. Take the, the, the Tylenol incident in the 1980s, right? Where Jane is like, done. We're taking it all back. We don't care how much we lose. We're patient safety number one. And they, they totally built trust that way, right? But that's an event that was external to the input. So internally, you got to be consistent. You got to do what you say you're going to do. You got to be able to do the hard things. Hey, Susie's been with the organization for 30 years, but she's rip. She's retired in place. She needs to go right now, whether you offer a package, you don't offer a package, whatever, right? Like, but everybody knows she needs to go, then she needs to go. Um, and so that builds rapport because people say, oh, well, you're willing to make those hard choices. That builds that trust that you're going to do things. And there's, there's different kinds of trust. There's communication trust. There's competency trust, but it's, it's character, right? Like it's, it's, are you, are you going to do, can you do what you're going to say you're going to do? Are you going to tell me when you do or don't do what you say you're going to do? Right. And then just kind of, who are you? So building that trust is super, super hard. Um, I think the other really side hard. Of, it's really hard if you only got 18 months to do it. Right. Right. And, and no amount of beers after work or go-kart things or, or events or whatever, that doesn't build trust. Building trust, super hard. Walking in as a new CMO and uh, being able to be vulnerable and say, I don't know how to do this. I've never had to do this. I've never whatever. That helps a little bit. The, the, and like I said, the, the hard choices, doing the hard choices and being clear with everybody, I'm really sorry this was a hard choice and I had to make it, that builds trust really quick as well. So we've talked about change, we've talked about marketing. Another tie-in I see is motivation. Uh, marketers are looking for people who are motivated 
to make a change, like I mentioned earlier. But how does motivation play into change management? You know, so the largest module that we have in the Confident Change Management course is about motivation. And of the books that I read in prepping for this and researching it, I would say that probably 40% of them are in some way related to motivating other people. Now, it could be that I picked that up from psychology. It could absolutely be that I picked it up from marketing, right? So, so you know, 20 or 30% of the books that, that I read in preparing for the change course were marketing books. And it was all about what can you do to get inside that person's head? And I don't mean manipulate them, and I'll come back to that in a second. I don't mean manipulate people, but what I do mean is how do you engage that spark that's already in them? How do you figure out what drives them? There's a guy by the name of Stephen Reese um, uh, who did 16 factors. He said, there's these 16 factors. These 16 factors are the things that motivate people. And everybody is motivated by all of them, but to a lesser or more, to a greater degree. You know, and some people are high order people and some people are high honor people and some people um, are eating or physical activity or there's all these, these 16 factors. And so learning that is kind of like a course on marketing, right? Because it's all about what do I say? How do I, how do I uh, position this in such a way that I can activate this thing that already exists inside of someone? And so that's, that's a huge part of what we teach in change management. Now, I said I'd come back to manipulation because manipulation has a dirty connotation to it, right? It's like, oh, we don't want to be manipulating people. Look, if you're changing behavior, you're manipulating people. If you're convincing them to pay attention to your product, to buy your product, if you're doing it's but we've developed this, this feeling that the word manipulation is bad. If you have a physical therapist, they're manipulating your joints. Is that bad? Well, I hope not. But the other thing is, is we've all been manipulated and not in a bad way. So here's the thing. Mike, do you wear your seatbelt? All the time. Why? Because you like wrinkled clothes, because you like feeling restricted and constrained. Is that why you wear it? Because I don't think it is. It's probably the ticket. <laughs> it's, it's probably could be the ticket. It could be motivation. There's it's red and blue motivation or not. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think about it. So, so here's the thing. If you go before the 1970s, now some of the older members of your audience, some of the people that I know can remember sleeping in the back window of a car on a long road trip. Right. Done that. <laughs> yeah. there, done that. <laughs> okay. So, so before about the 1970s, somewhere in there, um, a guy by the Ralph Nader said, look, you know, these things are speed traps. They're going to kill us all. And we started changing the way we thought about it. And then we started manipulating people into wearing a seatbelt. And the ticket is certainly a strong manipulation, but it's more than that. It's the marketing, right? You think about it. it it's not just wear your seatbelt, folks. It's click it or ticket. If that doesn't say marketing to people, I don't know what does. And it is manipulation, but it's positive manipulation because it keeps people from dying. And I'm going to say, on the whole, that's a good thing. I mean, there's a couple of people, but, you know, on the whole, it's a good thing. So, so yeah, for me, change management, the big effort in change is the same big effort that there is in marketing. It's about how do you motivate people, not manipulate, motivate. How do you motivate people to do the behaviors you want and need them to do? Rob Bogue, his 
class is called Confident Change Management. The book on burnout is called, again? Extinguish Burnout, A Practical Guide to Prevention and Recovery. And the URL for Extinguish Burnout is, strangely, extinguishburnout.com. And Confident Change Management, strangely, confidentchangemanagement.com. I'm crazy like that. Yeah, you got some good domains there. All right, Rob, thanks very much for being on the show.